from a doomed planet in a distant galaxy to a fantastic underground hideaway from the fortress of solitude to the bustling city room of the daily planet look up on the screen it's superman superman the movie welcome to movie umpers i am bob sham i'm angela uh, the sounds you hear are probably dogs, probably. Mm-hmm. This month's theme is adolescent power fantasy. And this week we are exploring Superman, specifically the first of the first two Richard Donner movies. We will be watching on Friday uh, the Richard Donner cut of Superman 2, yes. the 2006 recut of the 1980 movie. But yeah. today... We're talking about the 1978 classic directed by Richard Donner, uh, written by Mario Puzo, who mm-hmm. wrote The Godfather, as well as David Newman, Leslie Newman, Robert Benton, and starring Christopher Reeve, Margot Kidder, Gene Hackman, Marlon Brando. Uh, Gene Hackman and Marlon Brando got higher bill yeah. in both movies because they were the bigger actors. Yeah. But when you look back... Who's the Who's the guy? It's Christopher. Reeve. It's Christopher Reeve, and of course, sadly, Christopher Reeve would. I mean, for growing up, you know, he was Superman when we were small children, and then for a lot of our lives growing up, he had an accident. He fell off a horse and was paralyzed, yeah. real bad shape, and uh, and Margot Kidder as well, who was bipolar, mm-hmm. um, had been through a lot of shit, and she took her own life like just in 2018 really kind of a a a melancholy experience watching this movie but i will say that as far as i as far as how i like my superman and the tone of it it really nails this movie does nail who i think superman should embody absolutely and a lot of people might find that boring but i don't No. you know you got your brooding asshole superheroes over here yeah it doesn't mean Superman ought to be. No. He's about hope. Uh, sometimes he gets really jingoistic and flag wavy. That's not really my style, but you know, whatever. Like all our movies are a little reactionary sometimes, right? They're all like have to be steeped in some patriotism. Mm-hmm. Um, as annoying as that can be, uh, even a reactionary action movie can still be a lot of fun. But this movie, the Richard Donner 1978 Superman. We hadn't seen this in a long time, huh? No, and I as saw a, it so many times when I was a kid. As a kid, and, I probably watched this a hundred times. And this was m- one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. I love Christopher Reeve. He is my Superman, always and forever. I didn't even watch the new ones because I just don't care. Like, this is the one I like. They're not and as good as this. Not even not even in the ballpark. Totally. But I good. Just, uh, or no, and the ch- there's no charm in it. Zack Snyder movie. Those, oh. those are charm, absolutely charmless yeah. fucking movies. And, you know, there was a little part of me right before we started watching this that was a little nervous because it had been so long that since I'd seen it that I was a little scared that there might be stuff I didn't like about it. Guess what? No. No. This movie is so charming. It's done so well. I mean, sure, there's things you can pick apart about it. And, you know, the effects were really good for what they could do in, what, 1978? Come on! And there are some things we will pick at a little bit here. Absolutely. But, overall, so fun. And the chemistry between Lois Lane and Superman in this movie 
is like off the fucking charts. Do you in any mo- superhero movie that you've seen in the last ten years that even sniffs at a romantic angle? Has it been even like a tenth as convincing as the the relate? I mean, obviously Margot Kidder and Chris Reeve, they really did like each other. Mm-hmm. This is all. I mean. Chris Reeve wasn't gay, but this is kind of like a Doris Day, Rock Hudson kind of yeah, thing, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they 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 really care- they liked each other. They were friends. Yeah. And the the and what the tragedies that kind of befell them mentally and physically, it's uh, there's a part here that I actually got kind of choked up watching mm-hmm. this, and I might get choked up talking about it. Uh, we we go into Krypton. And uh, Jor El is played by Marlon Brando. Yeah, he's got the curly. Yeah, he's he's. Uh, they're sentencing these three Kryptonian supervillains, mm-hmm. and they're guilty. Zod and his two buddies, Ursa, Ursa, and the big dude that doesn't talk. Yeah, and they sentence them to the Phantom Zone. That's where we start the movie. But also Jor El is trying to explain to everyone that'll listen that the planet's going to blow up. Yeah. And they don't, they're not listening. They're basically, they basically, the council says, if you don't stop, you're also going to be in trouble. You're going to cause panic. Yeah, but they're like, we'll consider it like insurrection. And he promises that he and his wife will not leave the planet. He shouldn't have promised about his wife. He should have just said, I will not leave. But whatever. (laughs) It's a different story if he put her in the cube. No, she's got to die. Yeah, so he and his wife are not going to go. And that is end of story. We know this story. Yeah. Sends a boy into a rocket, blasts him off into space. He lands in Smallville, Kansas. But he sends him on purpose to Earth. He picks Earth. Yeah. And there's a trajectory. It takes a long time to get there. But Three like, years. But, it, the, but he's being educated within this pod. Mm-hmm. Like Jor-El's, um, you know, giving him like the history of Earth and mm-hmm. ethics and whatever. So, yeah, uh, uh, it lands... And um, Jonathan and uh, Martha Kent, they pull up on, and a little naked boy. He's so cute. Pops out of a capsule, and he just immediately raises his arms up at them. He's like three years old. Oh, so much full of love. The little baby in this movie. Yeah, it's a it's adorable, <laughs> and immediately Martha. I love this so much because Martha's like. You know, we prayed to have a baby, and it looks like we have one. We can tell everybody he's my cousin's kid, and Jonathan's like. Martha, you're crazy. But then the kid picks up the car. Yeah, never has a child looked so happy to pick up a truck. He was so... Oh, and when he, like, grabbed Martha around the neck, too, like, right before that. He should have snapped her neck. So sweet. He should have well, snapped her neck right there. I mean, Sabaya doesn't know his own strength. Yeah. They should have, like, broken limbs. They <laughs> No, because this is the thing that you have to be okay with if you're also going to accept that, like, Superman and Lois Lane can fuck, mm. is that... He can control his strength even when he's not thinking about yeah, it. Yeah. He's not going to on purpose hurt somebody that he cares about, and he's full of care. So then we get to a teenager Superman, which is my first kind of criticism here. Is like this guy was not good. This you they picked another guy like that looked like he was at least in his early twenties to play yeah, the teenager. Just fucking let just, Christopher Reeve do it, or just let Christopher Reeve do it, or have someone who visually looks like an actual teenager do it. Yeah. You know, he, you can make him scrawny. If you think about it, Superman would be scrawny because he would have to bench press, like, comp asteroids to even, like, bulk up, you know? Absolutely. But 
all of those teenagers looked too old. Mm-hmm. Except the one, like, obvious child that was in the car. Yeah. Like, that's just how it was back then. I guess so. You just looked like you were that's 30 true. if you were in high school. When you look at, like, old images, it's like they look like they could... I mean, they had started chain smoking at 11. <laughs> Jonathan Kent has a heart attack at some point. Yeah. And, the, and his mom... And he finds the... They have the capsule in a barn under there. And it's got crystals in it that hold information. And that's when Clark... Uh, you know, actually truly finds out. Because, well, when he turned 18, the crystal started calling to him. Yeah. And he, you know, tells Ma, he's like, I gotta go. And she's like, I always knew you would. And so he goes to the North Pole. Yeah. And he fucking chucks this chucks crystal. Chucks a crystal. He and just it, somehow knows. And it grows the fortress of solitude. His ice castle. And so, which is what I used to call it when I was a kid, which is why I kept saying that yesterday. It was Superman's ice castle. And so this is how this is how pure and good Superman truly is. That he goes to uh, Krypton College for twelve years, twelve years in total isolation. And when he comes out and decides to go to Metropolis to be a reporter, what degree did he show? You know what? You heard the the guy. He said that. He's like a fine journalist, but that he can type faster than anyone he's ever seen. That's it. So I think that's what impressed him, I guess. He probably was like, I wrote these three articles. He can really churn them out. He can really churn them (laughs) out. So, yeah. So the fact that he can be in isolation for a dozen years, maybe he went and visited his ma in that time. I don't know. I don't know. But but he's still the same affable, nice guy, right? Well, and first day on the job, he says, I keep wanting to call him Perry because that's Perry White. The I keep wanting boss. to say yeah. Perry White, but isn't that that's the that's his boss? Oh, okay. I thought I was getting confused with Spider Man's boss. Okay, no, that's J. Jonah Jameson. Thank you, Jonah Jameson. So I was right. Okay, Perry White. Uh, he says to him, like, "Can you send half my paycheck to this address in Kansas?" And Lois like kind of makes fun, like, "Oh, what? He sends his money back to his mom." Like, his, well, his, yeah. uh, no, he goes. Um, she goes. His gray haired mom, and he goes, "Well, she's silver haired." <laughs> and Lois is like. Gugh. Also, what kind of like gag is that? Like, yeah, I'm sending money to my mom. I think it. Well, I think it's supposed to just be a. Like, oh, you're a mommy's boy. Yeah, I mean, well, it's sort. I think that's her whole deal. Is like, I mean, this is the big city, right? This is essentially New York. So, like, essentially, she's like this, you know, hard nosed reporter who's seen it all and doesn't give a shit. And then this guy comes in and she's like, "What do you like? Do you drink milk? Do you know what I mean? Like, that's kind (laughs) of how it seems." I don't know. It's sweet from the very beginning. And listen, he is fucking handsome. Mm-hmm. But he wears glasses like my mom wore in the 80s. And he's also, <laughs> he, he also slunches. Slunches. Like, I like that slunches. word. Slunches. Slunches. He, 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 he's purposefully bungling and goofy, and mm-hmm. which is great. Like, Christopher Reeve, like, totally embodies that Clark Superman dynamic. Yeah. And Mar- Margot Kidder... Maybe Chris Reeve is the best Superman. He's definitely there, but Margot Kidder is hands down the best Lois Lane yes. that has ever existed in a live action. One thousand, maybe even animated format. I mean, one thousand percent. And also, like, I do think he's the best Superman that I've seen for sure. Mm. But yeah, one of the very early moments when you kind of get that, like, I mean, he obviously is playing this up. He's playing a character because. At one point, Lois is going to get her purse stolen, and the guy shoots the gun at Lois, and it's actually really cool. We rewound it and watched it twice, because, like, Superman, like, kind of just reaches up, and then he falls down and acts like he passes out. Yeah. And she's like, are you okay? Because she thinks he got hit, maybe. Yeah. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. I think I passed out, Lois. And she's like, 
you passed out. Like, it's like, you know, disappointing. But then he like, kind of like has this, he like opens up his palm and has the bullet and he kind of makes this like to himself little like. <laughs> it's like when uh, he's dressing like Clark Kent, he's like, he goes in the office, he's like, I got to make sure Lois's pussy is super dry every time I'm in the office. But I do want to openly pine for her. You know what it's also like? What? In fucking Pillow Talk, again, with Rock Hudson and What's-Her-Face. There is Where some... there is, like, the suave one or the one that she loves, which is Superman. And then there's, like, the Clark Kent who's like, I don't know what you see in that guy, Superman. You know, like, it's not really like he's playing one against the other. But he is, I feel like, trying to find out how she feels about each part of him when he is the other part of himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Superman does come around, saves some lives, and then in front of Lois, and Lois is charmed by him immediately. Oh, yeah. And he offers her an exclusive. And that's the best scene in the movie, hands down, is when they come down and they're talking to each other. Yeah. I'm telling you, folks, charm, character. It's what is missing now. We've talked about this before. For all the other real nitplicky flaws that you can get, especially when you get to the end of this movie, none of that fucking matters because this is like the whole the whole interview and them flying over Metropolis together. It's actually one of the most like kind of beautiful mm-hmm. and charming things in in a movie ever. Yeah. And I think what it is, you know, people are so sick of the superhero movies. Rightfully so. Yeah. Like, I think we are getting a burnout. But we're at this time where it took so much, where you were practically having to move mountains to be like, and work really hard to make a Superman movie look good. Yeah. Now with CGI, it's like, let's just dump all that money in here. We can make it look good. And a lot of the reasons why superhero movies blew up in our modern times was because it was easier to make things look cool. But now things feel so much lifeless. And we're watching this with some very... 1978 effects, but it's full of life. It's because people don't try to do anything naturally in a movie like that. That's why something like Crimes of the Future feels so amazing because you know it's as much of it that can be as practical. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, but back then they had no choice. If something catches on fire, they were fucking catching it on fire. If rocks were falling down the mountain, rocks were falling down the mountain of at least a model. Mm-hmm. Right? Like they're making the things happen. And there's just a realness to it that you lose. Even when you know it's not real, because duh. Or maybe it doesn't look perfect, but there's a charm to it. Like the the intro, the title intro to this movie so is good. great. And you can tell that they're using some kind of practical, like, image layering to make things look like cosmic stuff. One of my favorite things... It looks great. One of my favorite things was... I don't remember if it's at the very beginning, like, when we're going to Krypton, or if it's part of, like, Superman's teaching, right? Because he shows him, like, the cosmos and stuff when he's teaching him in the ice castle. But um, there's this part where you're moving through space, and you can tell... That the it's almost like the back layer is solid. The back layer is not moving. But then the front layer, like, is zooming in. And so you have these, like, this, like, static sheet of stars. And then these, like, moving ones going into it that gives it, like, this extra dimension that you're probably not supposed to notice. But honestly, noticing it made it cooler. Yeah. I thought. I was like, whoa, that's really neat. So after the interview, uh, Superman takes Lois to go fly. And they're just, and 
and you, you you chew up the scene. It's great. It's my favorite part of all yeah. of these movies. And then Lois starts reciting like a poem in her head. Can you read my mind? Do you know what it is that you do to me? I don't know who you are. Just a friend from another star. Here I am, like a kid out of school, holding hands with a god. I'm a fool. You look at me, quivering, like a little girl, shivering. You can see right through me. This man, this god. Yeah, do you know know what you do to me? Do you know what you do Do to me? Do you need a friend? And that, I got... I'm here if you do. Yeah. That hit me. Me too. Especially knowing what happens to them. I know. And Margot's so much later than Chris. Chris would die from his injuries eventually yeah he had such a hard life but he always was making sure he never like hid away he was always out there he was hopeful he was trying to always communicate with people when i did summer stock uh theater in like 2002 uh the summer of 2002 he came to the theater that i was at because when he was younger he got his start there i want to say that like Maybe his dad even started Williamstown Theater Festival. I, I, he's somehow related to it. Like, somehow related to the people involved yeah, in that yeah. place. But he came to a show there. And so I stood, like, maybe 30 feet from him. And it was just... It's obviously sad to see him after his injuries, right? Yeah. But it was also just, like, even with all that, just knowing who he was, you're, like... Near greatness. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. But also, like, so sad. And Margot, you know, she would do, like, Comic-Con signings and a lot to supplement her own income. She had bipolar issues. And and then the last leg of her life, she pretty much just kind of kept to her own in Montana Mm -hmm. and was very much active in protests, like the Standing Rock stuff that happened years back. She basically did take her life by... Through pills and drinks, she purposely overdosed. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's just so sad because mm-hmm. she really was. Maybe it's just because of the concept of the time and where we're from. But, like, I, I, I would think that anyone could watch this scene and be like, wow, that is really, like, very magical. It does seem like that these actors like each other. It seems like these characters are really into each other. Like, this is what we're talking about with, like, charm and movies. Yeah. Going back f- 44 years... This still is the standard. And we see points that come close over the years. Maybe like the first Spider-Man movie, the Sam Raimi one comes kind of close. Mm-hmm. There's a little bit of, there's, there's interesting aspects of the Michael Keaton, Bruce Wayne. But that character is not destined to be a romantic figure. No, but it's interesting that, that you brought up the Sam Raimi first Spider-Man. Because earlier when you were trying to say like, is I don't think, I think it was more rhetorical. But you basically said like, is there anything modern that feels like this. And literally what I thought of was that upside down Spider-Man kissing scene with Kirsten Dunst. Like that's that the was thought I it. Had. Like, like it, it was there. Maybe that, not even for the whole movie, but they had moments of that real feel. That was over 20 years ago. I know. Well, God, fuck. Yeah. We're not, old. not, not, doesn't even come close. No, that's no. the last time I can think of it. 
that's how you latch onto these characters. Yeah. It does seem like it does seem kind of like romance and passion is dead in a lot of mo- in a lot of modern movies. It seemed kind of refreshing when you know at first when Spider Man or Iron Man were like, you know, I can't do this and be in a relationship. It seemed kind of refreshing at the time because we grew up to have all these kind of like shoved in yeah. romantic interests in movies, and yeah. now that we've gone like almost a generation where that seems to be shoved to the side, I find myself now wanting to see these characters actually have like genuine romantic connections. Yeah. And nothing tacked on like they used to do, which was bad in its own right. But mm-hmm. like this movie shows you how to do it. 1, it shows you how to do it. There's just something also about, you know, with Superman and Lois Lane being the icons that they are, mm-hmm. that there is something that you can, you don't have to know too much going in. There's a benefit there. Yeah. So, and just the notion that Superman, Lois Lane is Superman's girlfriend. Like, you can read maybe one comic book in your whole life or never, and you can understand that. Absolutely. So. But we also have Alex Luthor, and uh, who is played by Gene Hackman, who, who, who embodies the cackling. He's like the, I am the criminal mastermind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he Luthor. wants to be bad. He's not trying to not be bad. And his cronies are uh, Ned Beatty, who plays... Otis and Miss Teschmacher. Teschmacher. I love her. Yeah, I love them both. I love them all. They're and good. So they're kind of they're kind of screwy. So um, Lex, Ned Beatty is the perfect like bumbling sidekick. So Lex Luthor, he he manages to deduct that a lot of these bits that came off of this crash. Uh, that super because the article came out, so everyone knows that Superman's from another planet. He even says Krypton. He even admits that he can't see through lead. It's like Superman might want to keep that part to yourself. I know. Lex Luthor deducts that burn marks leave behind these stones. Well, that may affect him. Meteorites. meteorites. And he deduces that these may be able to affect Superman in some way. Yeah. And he call. And of course, we're talking about kryptonite. It seems like a stretch. But, like, he gets there, but it is kind of like Lex Luthor to figure all this shit well, out. Well, I will say, this is the only part of the story that confused me a little bit, because they talk about the meteorite. He's like, this should, I mean, it's movie science, right? Like, because it came from his planet, it should hurt him. That doesn't actually make sense, but fine. Like, we all know Krypton, kryptonite hurts Superman. Oh, and he hijacks but, a nuclear missile. Well, this is the thing that's con- that gets confusing, is because he says he's going to go get the kryptonite, but he doesn't actually really, like... You don't see him going and getting right. it, but you know that he's acquired it. And then he is buying up all this land. And so Lois has gone to like investigate these like land buys happening in California that right. are weird. And then you learn that it's him buying up the land in California. And at first I was like, does that have to do with more meteorites? Like, what's happening? But it was because he's now hijacked these nuclear weapons and one is going one direction towards the east and one is going west. Headed to like the San Andreas Fault, so so that Lex Luthor he wants when, he wants to strategically place a, a nuclear missile into the western side of California to trigger the San and San Andreas Fault, so that the western part of California falls into the ocean and all the land that he bought real cheap in the middle of the desert front is ocean front property. And yeah, people in real estate are villains. There there is something villainous about them. 
One of the sweetest scenes, I think, honestly, is so he gets Superman to come to him. He lies and says, I'm going to kill everybody in the city if you don't come Yeah, to he's like, he, he catches him on a frequency that only dogs can hear that Superman would be able to hear. Which is so great. He, like, walks out of Perry White's office. He's like, I'm going to go. Um, and he, like, goes to him and he basically is like, where is the detonator? And he's like, oh, I just made that up. But, like, how else was I going to get you here, Superman? Yeah, yeah. And then he puts this kryptonite necklace on him. And then kicks him into, like, a pool and he's fucked up. And then when he says, like, where, because he basically is like, even if you could get out of this, you can't save everybody because they're going in opposite directions. Yeah, one's You'll going, never be able to no do one's, both. One's going to New Jersey, another to California. And he knows that Lois is in California at the San Andreas Fault. And then Miss Tessmacher is like, you've aimed the other one literally at the town where my mother lives. Yeah. And so she gets in the pool with Superman and she's like, I will help you if you will save my mother first. And Superman has to promise her. He has to say yes. And so she gets in the pool, but before she takes off his necklace, she kisses him and then he goes, Why did did you kiss me first? I didn't think you'd let me later. Lex doesn't kill her. Because also, he only has two people on his side. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so true. he doesn't get that mad, I guess. They, he does accomplish a lot with very little. Yeah. Um, so Superman goes and redirects the missile aiming for New Jersey. Ugh. Puts it into the sky. But, of course, he doesn't stop the missile from hitting California because he really can't stop both. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So the missile hits California and uh, and the earthquake happens. Yeah, all kinds of bad shit. And he does get there and he manages to... Push the San Andreas fault back together, but there's still aftershocks. Yeah. And so we see Lois like falling into the earth is opening up, her car's falling in, it's filling up with dirt. Actually, a scary ass looking scene. It was a scene. scary scene. It was done very well. So Superman uh, finds her. Well, Superman first he rescues Jimmy Olsen from falling off a dam mm-hmm. and then he sets him down and then he. Comes to Lois and he's too late. Well, and Lois should have been at the dam by then, but her car had run out of gas. Right. And so if her car hadn't run out of gas, he could he would have had both of them. It was like a very, once again, just another very bad chain of events. So Superman pulls the car out, but Lois is dead and he lays her out and he screams into the sky. And then this is probably one of the more famously controversial parts of this movie. He flies counter to the earth's rotation multiple multiple times he reverses time something that jor-el warned him not to do well to and not he to didn't affect specifically say not to affect human history right and he was hearing all these voices in his head and also his dad talking about how wasn't it like good guys don't do things for their own benefit yeah you know like he's here and, and when i say his dad he's i got, do mean he's like got jor-el and jonathan kent like yeah. the, their voices in his head but he loves lois and so this is, to me, it's not even just Superman's compassion for humanity. Honestly, Superman's biggest weakness is his love for Lois. Yeah. Because he is willing to change the trajectory of the entire world to get this one woman back. And we do see this now. But it's just not the same. Like, he was so in love with her that he couldn't stand to live without her. That he rewound the world. And for like a second, I was confused. But but you explained it to me and it totally makes sense. Like, 
I Obviously, mean, all that stuff still happened. He just was a little he bit. just like got faster to her. He figured yeah, out yeah. how to do it to save her. As far as we know, he could have done that like 20 times until he got it right. And he almost, this is true, and he almost kissed her. Yeah. But here comes fucking Jimmy Jimmy, cock, Jimmy the cock blocker Olsen. That's his middle name. It's on the birth certificate. Oh, he does uh, care, literally carry Lex and oh, o- Lex Luthor and Otis to prison. No trial or anything. He's just, just like he just well, flies to a prison and is like, "Here you go." And there's that weird moment where like the warden's out the window, and Superman's like, "I brought these to you, Mister Warden," and he's like, "Well, thank you for doing that for us." And, and Superman's Super- like, "We're all on the we're same all on the same team." team. You could nitpick and be like, you know, if he reversed the trajectory of the world, it would probably actually destroy the planet. Well, that's what I was like. All the tides would be fucked. Everything (laughs) would be flooded. Like, it definitely. You think the San Andreas Fault was going to do some damage? Come on now. This aspect is kind of like classic 50s and 60s era Superman, where the stories were so outlandish, and Superman could essentially do anything he needed to do Mm -hmm. to. Uh, resolve the bizarre scenario in any given story. So, uh, and, and it gets a little more grounded, like, you know, later on as the years go on. Sure. But sure. that, but that aspect of that movie does kind of represent the crazy shit that used to happen in Superman stories back in the day. Yeah. But that's the movie. That's it. And it ain't perfect, but like, but it's so good. But there, are, but there are parts of it that yeah. to me actually are perfect. Same. In terms of characterization. And how these characters are represent, represented, and the actors and how they embody these. I don't characters. think it could have been cast any better. Not no. a single person would no. could have been cast better. Well, we hump movies. We're going to hump this movie one through five times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, You're going to give mm-hmm. this one through five. I'm going to give this one through five combined. Yes. For best out of ten, I'm going to shine my Lex Luthor scalp. <laughs> He did finally take his wig off at yeah, the he, very end. Yeah, he's like, ah, the criminal mastermind of our time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Gene, I, I do love how much he loves being a bad guy. I th- Gene only agreed to certain times with the bald cap on. My favorite superheroes and I know are supervillains in movies. And I know we're gonna get to my the other one I'm about to say I in a few weeks, next week, sometime this month, is Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor and um, the Joker from the original Batman, played by our man from The Shining. Why can't I think of Jack Nicholson? Yeah. Jack Nicholson as the Joker. Jack Nicholson. And to me, they're very much of the same world. There was later Superman movies that are not considered very good. Mm. Um, but I do kind of found myself in my mind comparing the Keaton Batman and the Christopher Reeve yeah. Superman. Like, in my heart and in my mind, they do kind of embody... They do to me, yeah. And the movie's tones are so different, but that's what it should be. Yeah. But what do you give this movie? I'm going to give this movie a 4.5. I'm going to give it a 4.25. Okay. So that is an 8.75 for the classic 1978 Richard Donner Superman starring... Christopher Reeve, Margot Kidder, Gene Hackman, Marlon Brando. Probably going to be one of the big, highest rated superhero movies that we'll probably yeah. ever discuss. Oh, for sure. And it's all based on characterization it and really charm. Is. Yeah. Because that's the kind of, that's what literally kind of moves you. Yeah. It's, yeah, there's a lot of cool shit. There's cool visuals. There's cool action in a lot of modern superhero movies. And there's fun stuff here too. Mm-hmm. But like, the the best of this movie really strikes you to your core 
what you want to see the best for these characters and you want to see them together Absolutely. and you love to see them together. And that's kind of like maybe what a lot of movies kind of lo- have lost in the modern way, you know. Absolutely. There, there is something to stars that can act and show that charm and care for each other. Superman, the Richard Donner Superman, joins the ranks of the A-tier movies. Well-deserved. It just made me so happy. It just made me so happy. That's the key. That's the key, isn't it? So check the show notes for links and other places to find us. Have you checked out, have you gone back and checked out this classic Superman? Do you agree with us? Do you disagree with us? Uh, if you're like obsessed with Zack Snyder, more power to you. I love it, but don't like. Have fun with it. Don't explain how it's like so deep that we don't understand it. Because no, because we get That's it. just embarrassing for you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So, but please like, subscribe, leave a comment. Uh, we will be talking about more classic adolescent power fantasy this month. Yes. Death to all traitors. Death to all traitors. Mm-hmm.